everyone and welcome to the Marketing Made Easy by Jotful Show. I'm Dawn Verbriggy, I'm your host, and we have a great episode for you here today. We have Manuel Valencia of Dallas, Texas's Connective Agency. He's gonna talk to us about how he started his business during the 90 minutes that his infant was napping and eventually grew it into this flourishing marketing agency in which he was able to attract his high-powered corporate wife to join him. Stay tuned, you're really gonna love this show. Welcome to Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. I'm Don Verbriggy, Jotful's CEO, two-time entrepreneur, former business school professor, and your host. I'm here to have practical and fun conversations with people who know a thing or two, or three, about how to get more customers for your business. So welcome everyone today. Our guest is Manuel Valencia. He is the owner of Dallas, Texas-based Connective Agency. And I don't want to tell you too much about him because I really want to bring him on and have him talk a little bit about his background. (laughs) Manny, could you tell us a little bit about sort of like where you started your career and then how you eventually ended up founding Connective Agency? Absolutely. Thanks, Don. And uh, so great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think from a very early age, I was in the client service business and, you know, more exactly, I was in the experience business. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, my mom and dad, they would never let me play around and run around with my cousins at family parties. They, my mom always called me and said, you got to dance with your aunts. And so, um, I did that. I would sometimes dance on her feet. Even many years later, she was right. It did pay off. I was actually a professional party motivator. I was Amazing. a dancer. So my job was to get Aunt Bessie and Uncle Joe up on the dance floor. And so I think what I learned from that whole experience was that, you know, regardless of the outcome, it's really about what you make people feel during the process. And so, um, yeah, I think that's really sort of where I learned that experience is really important. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's dig in here, Manny, because you are yada yada yadding <laughs> over some of the really interesting bits. Uh, can you tell us sort of where you performed? Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. So I danced at uh, I think over three hundred different events uh, mm-hmm. over the years, everywhere from the Rainbow Room to Malcolm Forbes's yacht, the Highlander that went around Manhattan during during private parties. I danced at small events up to like 5,000 person events. I remember doing a wedding expo and I went out with our group and we were the last performing act of the day. We closed out the event and we opened up the curtains and there was like thousands of people there. It was <laughs> such a rush. It was great. Yeah. And so yeah, you know, it was, it was high energy and it was the most fun job I ever had up until that point for sure. And, and then, so this was in the New York area. After this, you ended up moving to Texas. And can you tell us a little bit about the founding of Connective Agency? Because it's such an interesting story and it's so family oriented, which I absolutely love. My wife became the uh, head of marketing and communications for the U.S. division of a global industrial construction company. And so um, we decided that I'd stay home and I would help raise our one-year-old and get our oldest daughter settled in school in the new city and finished moving us to Dallas. And so as a restless entrepreneur, I said, what can I do in, in the 90 minutes each day, every day that my, my daughter is asleep? 90 so, minutes. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> it was almost exactly that every single yeah, day. Yeah. Um, so I decided that I would be, I would become a member of the Convention and Visitors Bureau of uh, New Orleans. And so, because that was one of the most convention cities in the country. And so when you join, you get access to their database and they tell you, all the information about every event, like who the contact is, who the event planner is, what, how many people are attending, what their theme is. 
And so I would call them and say, hey, so do you have, a, you have a speaker slot as part of your agenda? And if you do, I'd love to help you find a speaker if you don't have one yet. And I would hear so many no's. Of course. But every once in a while, I'd hear a yes. So that was like so motivating, so invigorating. And then I'd next, then I'd usually hear my daughter crying. So she woke up. And so the business would close for the day. And then we'd start it again the next day. So that's sort of like, that was the first <laughs> incarnation of Connective Agency is we were a booking agency for keynote speakers. And, and as an aside, I think if I had 90 minutes while a child was asleep, I would sleep myself or do laundry. 100% confident of that. But yeah. what, what I love about this is it's so interesting because it's actually very similar to the way Jotful started, the way we got our first customers. I went to the national bridal market in Chicago, which is this big trade show. And I negotiated to have a booth there at the trade show. So it was just, if you can imagine, it was like a booth full of big frilly dresses, another booth full of big frilly dresses. And then I had a table with a laptop that said, we can make you a website, right? Or I can make you a website. I think I yeah. used the royal we, even though it was just me. More dresses and more dresses, because this is where the bridal shop owners came to shop for their uh, inventory for the next six months. And I, I used that email list that they gave me and I emailed every single person individually because I couldn't email the entire list because it was not permitted. Right. So each person individually, I sent out hundreds of emails, I think a half dozen people or so, so that they would be interested in having me design a free sample website for them. And then they came and saw it in the sh at the show. And I remember taking that first credit card, Manny, signing the first person up, realizing that they had no idea that they were my first customer ever. I'm sure you had that exact same experience when you signed up that first client. Yeah, it was such a rush. I yeah. remember that we signed up this law firm uh, to uh, for their annual event to have our friend uh, Zero Skidmore. He's one of the world's best spoken word poets perform mm -hmm. at this law firm's uh, annual event. And it was to their credit, he's really progressive. And so the, it, they were really pushing it, but that, yeah, you're right. It was such a rush. So that's where you started. Talk to me a little bit about what your agency does today. How big are you? I know that you're profitable just so we sort of have an idea of not only where you came from, but where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a full service, vertically integrated digital marketing and, and communications agency. We are in the design district of, of Dallas, Texas. So if you know anything about Dallas, it's like right in the middle. We've got 15 of just the most absolutely talented professionals who rock the world of our clients every day, every chance they get. And we serve business to business brands. We serve municipal federal clients. We have high impact nonprofits that have broad reach for the things they do. And then we do, we work with non, oh, sorry, we work with funded startups. So we've been at it for about seven years and we are indeed profitable. We've grown every single year. We, we manage our business uh, with very strict sort of ratio mo monitoring and measurement. And so, yeah, we've, we've made a lot of stops along the way. We've learned a lot of things and those are the things we apply to our business every day. Yeah, and you were able to actually lure that high powered wife of yours from her corporate job to your to your startup when did she when when did she join you a couple of years in i got more requests from some of those first booking agency keynote speaker clients mm -hmm. to do more things for them almost simultaneously uh, my mother-in-law came to dallas to stay with us and she was able to 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 watch our our youngest daughter uh, my wife decided to sort of place a bet on herself for the first mm -hmm. time. She had never been an entrepreneur up until then. She had been the CMO at three successive publicly traded companies. Yeah. Um, wow. But uh, she joined, I think it was in 2016. 
And ever since then, you know, we've just, we've just added people. We, we focus on outselling our team's capacity. Like that's how we grow. I know that about a quarter of your business today comes from networking and referrals, which makes complete sense because this is how most businesses start. But the other 75% is coming from this growth engine that you've built. Can you talk to us about where it's coming from and how you figured out that that's where you can get business from? I think that's what people really want to understand. We're a certified uh, minority-owned business enterprise, woman-owned business enterprise. We are certified here through the state of Texas. And so because of that, we get access to uh, state agency and, and, and other agencies uh, when they issue requests for proposals, RFPs. Mm -hmm. So that is a way that we get introduced to a lot of big opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing I think that makes us a little bit unique is that we actually, we put our full team's might behind the responses to these uh, RFPs. So the, the beautiful things that we make for clients and um, the work, the level of work at which we do, we put that same design, that that same hard work, that rigor, that data analysis, and and thinking and strategy into our responses. So uh, we don't we don't respond to many of them. We have a very strict qualification process, even for our, our regular clients, I'd say. But uh, for the ones we do, we have a, a good a good conversion rate on those because, uh, like I said, we we put our sort of full team's might behind it. Yeah. Having worked um, in a business selling to enterprise before, I know how essential that is because otherwise you can just spend all of your time responding to these requests for proposal. I think it's really fascinating that you bring the whole team into this response because typically it's just sort of assigned to some business development person or even a, a pretty junior person who just sort of cuts and pastes in from the last RFP. But it sounds like you guys really take the RFP process seriously and that's why you win a good percentage of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know a lot of credit for that goes to uh, to my wife, my business partner, Jacqueline. She comes from Madison Avenue. She introduced a lot of rigor into our process, and um, our talented team. Like we we have a really talented group of designers that lay things out so beautifully. Again, going back to that whole experience is like how do you make people feel during the process? So we literally want people to feel what we are and who we are, and what we could bring to them when they're reading these responses. Mm -hmm. We'll hear more from our guest right after this brief break. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a business owner. And if you're a business owner in need of a new website, but you really don't want to build it yourself, check out Jotful. Jotful will build you a professional website that both looks great and includes all the marketing best practices. So we'll actually get the job done for your business. And it's affordable. In fact, it's only about 10% of what you typically expect to pay an agency or designer. Even better, you can give it a try today for free. At Jotful, we'll make you a free sample website so you can see if it's a good fit for your business before you ever even sign up. Visit us at Jotful.com to request a free sample website for your business. That's J-O-T-T-F-U-L.com. And now back to the show. And how much of uh, the marketing that you do, do you do yourself versus how much does your team do or how much do you outsource to other people? We do everything. So we do yeah. branding and graphic design. You have the design. capabilities, right? Right. We do branding, graphic design. We do corporate communications. So that's media and public relations. 
We do web design and coding construction. We have three in-house coding people. We do social media. We even do photo and video and we've added drones to boot. So there's, there's, there's quite a lot that we do. Uh, if we want exquisite, like top end of the world headshots, we refer them to Michelle Mitchell. Mm -hmm. She's our, she's a, a partner of, of, of Connective, a friend of Connective. She's incredible. So uh, for, that's for headshots. And then if, if we get calls, for example, from like restaurants, there's a group that we refer to that we know they're going to take really, really good care of them. Uh, we, we don't, we don't do restaurants. Um, we eat at restaurants. We eat a lot. We take very <laughs> seriously. <laughs> we don't do restaurant work. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Even though you have a lot of these capabilities in house, you recognize that for example, there's somebody else who can do headshots better than you do. And so you outsource mm -hmm. for that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So if 25% of your business is coming from referrals and networking and a bunch more is coming from RFPs, is, does that make for a hundred percent of your business or are you doing something else? Yeah, you know, we, we, um, we get calls in from, let's say for example, our, our Google, our, our Google reviews. So outstanding service is really, really what we, we shoot for all the time. And I think yeah. what that produces for us is these, um, these really great reviews, these testimonials. We have 67 five-star reviews on Google and wow. uh, that, tra that attracts a lot of attention. People call mm -hmm. us and they say, we actually took the time to read your reviews. We're looking to do uh, something similar. Can you help us? So yeah. Yeah, it uh, it comes from from that, and then um, I think you and I have talked about before just putting in the nickels, putting. Yes. In okay. So you have you have to tell everybody yeah. what it means to put in the nickels, and if you haven't been to an arcade in the last year, which you probably haven't been, you have to think back a little. That comes from I wrote a blog post a long time ago called "Sales is more like coin push and not like a slot machine." Yeah. So people, there's a lot of people think that sales is like a slot machine where you just put in one coin, you pull the lever and then all this cash comes out, right? Where instead we believe it's like the game coin push. So that game that when you put in the coins and it drops down and you see those, those two levels that are sort of moving back and forth, you kind of study the way things work, right? So the analogy there is like, maybe that's the market. There's some, some swings. Things are sort of coming forward, going to the back, coming forward, going to the back. Mm -hmm. And then, so you have to just keep putting in your nickels. And then eventually what happens is things convert. They sort yep. of go over the edge and you get the win. And so we just, every chance we get, we put it on nickels. We do, we have a phone call. Somebody calls us, we, we entertain the call. We, we host the call. We bring in the call. We talk to them about who we are, what we do. Sometimes they don't need us right then and there. Mm -hmm. uh, we make introductions. Hey, you know, that's great. That's not something that we can help you with, but can I help you find this other person that can help you do that? And so that they, everyone remembers things like that. And so mm -hmm. th that, those are the kinds of things that we refer to as just putting in the nickels. Yeah. And, and then eventually it comes over the edge. It converts. Yeah. It's so true with both sales and marketing that there's no, there's just no one shot, right? There's no single answer. There's, there's no hack that's going to solve it for you. That's going to, all of a sudden you're going to have a growth engine overnight. It's just not the way it works. And, you know, we're all accustomed to hearing these stories of overnight success, but what they don't talk about is all the nickels they put in before they found that one that actually fell over. Right. So yeah. in the very beginning, you're really trying to figure out who is your niche market, right? Who's the target market? Who are the actual people you should be going after? And then you're trying to figure out, well, how do you message to them and what offers can you create for them that are going to be really compelling? And then you need to figure out, well, what channels am I going to be able to use to distribute this offer 
to this audience. And oftentimes, you know, the channels will change. I mean, we had that experience recently. We, we were really invested in LinkedIn. LinkedIn changed some policies. It became less effective for us as a channel. Right. We had to find something else, right? And I think just like the more nickels you put in, the more you learn and the more you can take so that eventually when you put in a nickel, it's going to start to tip over. <laughs> That's right. How long did it take you to get to this place where you had this consistent, these consistent leads coming in where you had this real momentum? I think that it took us about two years. So that's pretty fast, so, really. Yeah, you know, I think it's just focusing on that outstanding service. But even with that, uh, we we wanted to make sure that things were sort of genuine and real and they were sticky. So that gave us enough time to work through, let's say, some client agreements that lasted for a year and then have them sort of it, it recognize that we were valuable to them. We, they, really, they really needed our partnership. And so we sort of got through the renewals. We got through every seasonal cycle, gave, gave it two years for those seasonal cycles to change. And then we were like, yes, like this is definitely going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right soon after that is when we we hired our our third person. So it takes a lot of faith and a, yes, lot it of, does. <laughs> a lot of trust for a person to come into a situation where they're joining, if you think about it, a married couple yeah. to to work. And so we we found the most amazing person ever. Her name is Whitney. Uh, she is such an important leader at this at this organization. We're so lucky and blessed to have her. And so it's um, we've just grown from there. Yeah, you are. Because if Whitney had ever come to me, I don't even know who Whitney is, but if Whitney had ever come to me during her job search and said, you know, there's this company, it's just two people, it's a husband and wife, I would say, keep looking. (laughs) That sounds really risky. Right. That's right. Yeah. We appreciate the... We appreciate the the, the the trust and even some might say like the, the gamble she placed on us, but uh, yeah, it's been going great. Yeah. So you guys were in this really interesting position where you obviously are just extremely driven and extremely determined because nobody else is going to build a business in during a 90 minute nap. Right. And then your wife is really knowledgeable. She's a CMO, chief marketing officer at three different public companies. I mean, she's legit. Right. So you're in this really sort of privileged position. I know that you were both working very hard, but this really privileged position when it came to starting a business and figuring out how to build your growth engine. But for most companies, most business owners, most people who start a business are not marketers and they don't know where to start. What advice would you give them? How would you help them really get started? And I'm, I'm not expecting them to build a growth engine in two years, but what could they do to shorten the amount of time it takes to get to a place where they have that kind of momentum? I actually, I speak with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that start businesses on a weekly basis. And if someone's starting from scratch, proof of concept, even, I always say, go get clients, like just go get clients. Mm -hmm. They, people want to focus on so many things that are quote unquote, unimportant in the beginning you need to go get clients. You need to just prove that there is a need in the market for what you offer, whether it's a product or a service, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to give you validation. That's going to be the sales that feeds the machine. Uh, unless you're a nonprofit, businesses are not going to be going concerns unless you have those clients, unless exactly. you have those first sales. And so go get a case study, go get a client because it gives you a case study. Go tell the story of that case study because it's going to convince others that they need to be your clients as well. So that's the number one thing I would say is like, Mm -hmm. just 
above all else, like just go get clients. Yeah. Yeah. I know when, when entrepreneurs first start out, they oftentimes spend their time sort of spinning their wheels over things that aren't that important. Like the business card design is something I, I see a lot. Right. And you probably see a lot too. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's really about getting those first customers. And I know at, at Joffa, the example I gave you earlier of going to the national bridal market and getting those customers, I didn't even register this as a business until after I had those customers, until after I could prove to myself that I could get business with this product, right? Then yeah. I went out and, and registered it as a company and said, okay, this is a thing. There's Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Is this audio only social app? And I was in a room once and everybody was trying to give this advice to this about to be dad on um, the business, this business that he was starting. And I think I heard every single thing, but no one told him like, go get clients. Everyone yeah. wanted to sell him something. There is an opportunity to buy anything you want these days for, yeah. for your business. They, you know, you can, you can get anything you want with a credit card. Right. And, uh, but you can't get necessarily a client with a credit card. So go get the client first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're in professional services, so it's possible to do that. In some businesses, you do need to have a product first, or you do need to have some kind of maybe space to operate out of. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Get customers as quickly as possible. And, uh, and that's where you start. You have this phrase, make it, sell it, take care of the money. And you wrote to me and repeated this a couple of times as so I'm supposed <laughs> to know what it means. Yeah. Can you tell us all what that means, Manny? And is this just yours or is this something that I've missed in my education? No, I can't take credit for it. As a matter of fact, when my when our team hears this, they're gonna they're gonna laugh, they're gonna punch the mark on their Manny meeting bingo card because I say it in almost every meeting. But uh, it comes from uh, there's a gentleman named Ernesto Ciroli. He gave he gives this incredible TED talk called "Want to Help Somebody." Shut up and listen. Uh, he's, he drops many, many amazing gems in this talk. But one of the things he says is that there's never been a person born that could do all three of those things beautifully, right? They, there's never been a person oh. born. They can't make it, they can't sell it and take care of the money. So yeah. as a business, you just got to figure out like what you want to do and what you're great at. And so I, we didn't necessarily start this business to be amazing at invoicing. So what did we do very early on when we could, we started working with a financial solutions partner, mm-hmm. still work with that, this group still to this day. And they help us with all the financial management, the financial reporting, all the invoicing, all the billing. They're sort of like our, our that side of the house, the take care of the money house. Mm-hmm. It worked for us early days because I was the sell it person. And then Jacqueline was the make it person. Sure. And we've always sort of focused on that area. We want to be, you know, the most amazing make it shop that, that there is. So we don't necessarily have to go out and get every single client in the world, but the ones that we do get that I'm over the sales function here, the sell it part, mm-hmm. we've, we just do outstanding delivery with them and we make the experience just really, really great. And then they renew, they ask us to do more with them they become the validation, they become the case study, and then it helps us get more clients. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that's how the make it, sell it, take care of the money thing comes in. It's great. I talk to so many people about it all the time. They're like, yes, like, I never yeah. thought about it that way. I was like, I can't take credit. It's Ernesto's thing, but that's, uh, it's one of the things that I really, really like to make sure that I share and focus on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great framework to think about in your case, 
your business, your entire business is about being the best make it shop, right? But yeah. within the business, you still need to have all three of those functions. You need to have people who make it, people who sell it, and people who take care of the money. And it's exactly. absolutely true that as entrepreneurs, oftentimes we have to do all of those things, right? But absolutely. eventually over time, you can find whether they're employees or whether they're outside contractors that, that help us out to do those things. That's, I think it's a really great framework. Thank you. Yeah, no, you bet. I mean, we have a client that is, my opinion, one of the best landscape lighting companies uh, in probably in the U.S. This this client of ours does zoos and museums and hall of fames and 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 like just ultra ultra amazing work. Uh, and they came to us and they said, "I, I just want to do lighting. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to tell the story of my business. I don't know how to market it. Like, can you help us do that?" We're like. Absolutely. And good yep. for you that you said that you are the make it person. <laughs> yeah. We'll help you sell it. Right. Yep. Uh, we hear the same thing all the time too. I don't yeah. want to build my own website. Sure. I probably could if I wanted to invest all the time in learning how to do it, but I don't want to build my own website. Can you guys just build it for me? Well, Manny, this has been phenomenal. Well, that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this episode of Marketing Made Easy by Jotful, please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. That helps other people find out about the podcast so they too can grow their businesses. And hey, while you're there, if you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, go ahead and click the subscribe button. That way you'll never miss an episode. We keep the conversation going in Jotful's private Facebook group. And if you're a business owner, you're invited to join us. Just search for Jotful, that's J-O-T-T-F-U-L, on Facebook and apply to join our group. There you can ask questions of the guests and exchange marketing tips with other business owners. From all of us here at Jotful, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'll meet you on the next one.